This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. You're listening to Bookmark with me, Uma Pagan Ampike Pagan, and this is Authored, a show in which I have these conversations with writers that are built around themes. This season, I'm speaking to them about their firsts, their first literary loves, their first characters, about the first time they knew, like, really, really knew that this is what they wanted to do with their lives. Today, I have with me best-selling cartoonist Bowie. Hello, my name is Bowie. I am the author of the series When I Was a Kid. One, two, three, and four. Uh, and I'm here to talk to Uma. Look at that. Hello, yeah. I'm Uma. Yeah. I'm your interviewer for today. <laughs> so, so boy, we've known each other for a while. And uh, I've, been, I've always been curious. And, and, and I like asking cartoonists this, especially. Because it's such a unique line of work. When was the first time you knew that you wanted to be a cartoonist, that you wanted this to be your career? Um, I I don't think I knew that I wanted this to be my career. I think I knew that I don't want to be in this career because um, they always say that artists are broke, you know. So, so if there was anything I stayed away from, it was my initial passion for this career, you know. Um, but I later on just fell into it because my results weren't good, you know. I mean, I've repeated this story a, a thousand times, but it really is the case, you know. It wasn't something that I would have loved to just follow my dreams right off the bat, you know. Um, but had I done that, I think the story wouldn't have been in, as interesting as well. What were your dreams? What were those dreams that you wanted to follow? Well, what my parents want, right? I, I, I don't know if that, that's what they want, but I think that that's what I assume they want, you know? So it was uh, to be a doctor, to be a, a scientist, or, you know, some, some, something reputable um, so that they can be proud of me, you know? I, just, I, I guess the, the answer to that would be I just wanted them to be proud of me. But you went to a really good art school. Um. Uh, I, at that point in time, because um, I, I didn't do well in school and then I chose to go to an art school later on, the art school I went to wasn't exactly the best because the one I really wanted to go into was Art Center in Pasadena. Right. Um, but the requirements to go in there was, was insane, you know. And then I went into Academy of Art mostly because they were the first people to accept me. In San Francisco? In San Francisco, you know. So um, I didn't know if the the college was good. I could tell you that a lot of my um, teachers, um, my friends, didn't feel that they were the best at that at that point uh, because it wasn't even affi- affiliated to to many of the. Um, I don't know. There's there's a there's a word for it where it's not it's not like an approved college, but uh, it had very good equipment, you know, which is essentially uh, what I went there for. We're cut from very similar cloth, having very similar Asian-style parents. And I know and I remember the first time I realized that my parents were okay with what I did. Because, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an engineer, I'm not an accountant, I'm not following in the typical Indian line of things to do, right? Mm -hmm. And it does take a long time for your parents to go 
because they're always fearful for you. Oh, after my days, is he going to be able to look after yeah, yeah, himself? Yeah. He's the he's the man, you know. He yeah. can he earn a living, right? Yeah. Do you remember that first moment when your parents were okay with what you do? Was it after you published your I, first book? No, no, no. I think they were they were okay only when they realized that um, there were a lot of things I couldn't do. I think my dad accepted the fact much earlier than my mom, you know. Um, but I don't know for sure if this is how he felt. It felt like to me that he, um, because I wasn't hitting all the things that he wanted me to hit, that um, when you come to a certain age, your parents also just give you more freedom, you know. And I think it came to a point where, okay, he is old enough to think for himself. I don't know if that was acceptance more so than, okay, you know, we can only care about you for this much. And this now is where you carve your own future, you know? And do you have that sense that they're now confident that you can? I I think my dad, yes. My mom will never feel that way about <laughs> me, you know? She would always, like, like, that's the reason why parents, I mean, kids still feel that their parents are naggy. It's because it is, in a way, uh, them telling you that you don't know how to live life and I need to guide you, you know? Um, but my mom will always be that, you know, like it, I could be president if I, if I was lucky one day, you know, or, um, or, or something major, but my, I don't think that it would change my mom's perspective about me, you know. Let's be fair, dude. Right now with everything that's going on, I think it's a true testament to the fact that anyone can be president. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Even a Chinese dude from Malaysia. It's yep. possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell me this. And I'm not just saying this because you're here. I remember I invited you for the Kuala Lumpur Festival a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've always enjoyed your work, but I had no idea as to the reception that other people have towards your work mm-hmm. until you came to the festival. And yeah, you were you were a superstar. People were flocking to meet you. Are you sure? They were. Okay. And it wasn't just... And, and, and this is what was interesting for me. It was the... It was the Chinese uncle and auntie who would bring their kids to meet you. Mm-hmm. And for me, my read of that was, uh, kids, you see, if you want to be at Yeah, this. in a sense, I do feel that way about... Right? You know, um, and, and it's, it's crazy to become... And, and this is essentially what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a role model for, for people to, to make them... To change their minds about comics. You know, because my dad, from the very get-go, was he was convinced that comics were bad reading material, garbage, basically. You know, and when I went into comics, I said the last thing I want my comics to be, because I still wanted parental approval. You know, was that it's not garbage, even if I have trashy words in there, it would be used tastefully. You know, so. That was the very first thing I wanted to to be when I wrote the comic. When I realized that people were looking up to me, that was like, um, that was like the the cherry on the cake, you know, because I never expected it to be like this, you know. And when was the first time that you realized that was a thing that suddenly these people were bringing their kids to meet you because you were that role model? The first time would be during the book events, you know, and then when. Because I've always wondered why a a parent would let a kid read such mature content, you know. Because it it, it was never written for kids. No, it wasn't. You know? It was it was biographical almost to 
hit people at my age, right? Yes, because yes, we experienced yes, the same things yes. growing up. And I and 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 I'm I'm going to stray off the topic a little bit. I don't know if that shows that because kids are reading materials from a, a 38 year old now, is is that um, how advanced the next generation is? You know, like are they 30 years ahead of us? Because you never know. Like uh, th- there isn't a a gauge on how how much more advanced the next generation is, you know. But um, I'm I'm not even sure if I make sense here, but if they're reading my material, then from my point of view, they are 30 years in advance, you know. Or th- uh, if they were eight years old, then they would, and they were reading uh, materials from 38, you know. Um, but I also forgot what you were asking me. <laughs> I was asking you about what it felt like when you first realized you were that role model. When I... I think that when I became a a role model, um, or when I realized that people were looking up to me, I felt the sense that a lot of what I do now I have to watch. You know, because now people are looking up to me, and this was the reason people looked up to me in the first place was because I did whatever I wanted. But That's having right. taken on the sense of responsibility, or it felt like that, I feel like now I can do less because I'm a role model and role models are supposed to be good, right? Um, I don't know anyone who looked up to a bad role model, you know, in a way. So it definitely made me reconsider all my actions a lot more, you know. Um, in the past, when only a, f- a handful of people were reading my stuff online, I wrote whatever I wanted. And then now I still do, but I put it through a lot more filters so that it isn't as raw as the stuff I put out in the first place. You know, so of course I will lose some some people, some readers in in, in um, because I did that. But I don't think that it necessarily made the content worse. It just made it more aware of who is reading it. You know, but also how I like to look at it is that you're that role model for all of those parents who are worried about their children. Mm -hmm. Oh, my kid's not doing well at school. Oh, he's not academically smart. Mm -hmm. Now they have someone they can show their kids because it's not just pressing on the parents. It's actually pressing on the children because everyone around you... It's way more pressing on the children. Correct. But, I mean, in a sense, it sucks to be that role model that is like, hey, you know, you could fail all the time. (laughs) <laughs> and then, but you could still turn out to be that guy. But the um, the thing is, I it, it, they would ask me, you know, like, uh, so what do you think my son should do? You know, um, should I should I do this or that? And I tell them, you know, it's it it's too early to tell. He will be fine. I would tell them he would be fine, you know, but. To a parent that who's already worried that seeing the results and everything, um, the, the terrible results from the, the children, they, they are never going to be able to just buy that, you know, because they are worried, which is why they were asking you. But honestly, I think that everything would work itself out, you know, like failing your subjects in 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 uh, in your exams. It's just such a small, small part of the big story, you know? Like, that doesn't even say anything, you know? There is one caveat, though. And the caveat is that 
you could be an average doctor or an average lawyer and you can make a pretty good living. But to do what you do, to be a cartoonist, you have to be one of the very best. I think that is, there's a reason for that. It's because art is so subjective. It's something that you cannot really measure. If you are a doctor and you are successful with your treatments, you have a percentage. That's you know? right. But for us, there isn't. You know, An idea could be hit or miss, hit or miss. And I happen to hit an idea. Um, I, had, I happen to hit jackpot with this idea. But there are a lot of other ideas that I, I would have failed at, I think. I think for any, any kind of career that you go into, it's all about how many times you try. Because I've always wanted to, to be successful at what I, what I do. And there were a lot of things I tried. I did the cups. I did, the, I did animation. I did writing, you know. And it goes to show that I'm willing to try, you know. And the, the, the other two things I did, I was pretty good at it, but I didn't hit it right on the hit, you know. But this one I did. This one resonated with people, you know. So, I mean, I... I, I think it just comes down to how many times you're willing to to fail, you know, and, and get back up and, and do that stuff again. When did you first realize that cartooning was hard, hard work? Because it took me a while before I realized that writing was hard work. I... I knew cartooning was hard because I, when I was young, I, I fleshed out the, the characters. I tried to draw like Dragon Ball, you know? We all did. We all did. <laughs> we all did. We tried to draw Batman. We tried to draw... And then one day, I was just like, man, this is so hard. I am going to draw stick figures. And when I switched to that mode of thinking, everything was easier. To, to me, the, the important thing about the comic books is that it, it's still a book, you know? The, the art is to me secondary to the story sometimes it can take um, center stage sometimes a picture alone um, can literally be a thousand words you know and you you let the reader dictate what mood or feeling it is but when I set out to write my comic book I decided that the story was going to be the, the, the meat of the meal anything else is just supporting actors you know which is why I say if the if I can draw something super simple and it's enough to convey the idea, that's as much as much work as I'll put in to the story, you know, with the with the drawings. You've been quite honest about your process. And it seems like an unending process. Mm-hmm. So if you could tell people about your process, if you could tell people about your process and how it affects your day-to-day life. That's what I'd like to know because you seem like you're living your work constantly. Yes, yes. And, and I tell people sometimes that um, this job right now is kind of like a curse. Because it is a job. It is a job, you know. It's something I, I loved and it's kind of like, you know how in Greek mythology, some guy could love himself so much and then the gods punish him by... It's, it's always a cruel joke. That's right. You know? So for me, it's come to a point where I, I love writing. And because I love writing so much, every minute is an idea. You know? And I find myself stopping 
everyday um, errands to just write stuff down. Like when an idea comes, I'll tell my friends. If I was with friends, you know, I would say, hold on a sec. You know, I've got to write this down. Like just today I was having food with my friend and I stopped at least six times. I interrupted us at least six times to say, I need to write this down. And every time I interrupted her to say that I need to write this down, I apologize. Because people will say, oh, no, no, I, I know... Um, it's your job, you, you do this. But do they really know how many times I stop to do this? You know, I have paper everywhere. I have paper right next to the bed and the toilet. And, you know, if I could keep paper in the bathroom, I would keep paper in the bath. So it it, it became a point where I was always writing. I have, I have a lot of notes on my phone, you know, everywhere. And you're always afraid of losing these, you know. And to me, I think it would be nice if I could just tell myself that it's okay if I don't write. Because... It would be nice to go back to that time where I was able to say, this is not so important. I'm not going to write it down. You know? oh, but then I, I know that feeling. And then in your head, you're thinking, oh, this I, could miss, I could miss the best idea yeah, ever. I could yeah, forget. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always forget, you know. So I write everything down. And it's, it is, it's like I'm always living um, five minutes late in a sense <laughs> i don't know yeah five minutes late because i'm always living the past you know like right now we had a we had a conversation and this could ignite an idea right and i would be writing about this conversation and not thinking about what great stuff could happen in the next few minutes you know because i'm pausing everything i'm always it's like it's like using tivo you know you you stop to rewind and you watch and so you're always not caught up to what's just happened, a little you know? bit behind. Yeah, just a little bit behind. You know, how do you decide what makes it to the page? Since you write down everything, um, at the very end when uh, I put the book together, I I select a theme before I before I bring all my works together. So throughout the year, I'll always be writing. You know, but I will have the at the back of my head, I'll think, okay, this is going to be about my dad or my grandma or something like that. So I would normally try to save the work for the specific book that um, with the specific subject, you know. But when it comes to actually putting the book together, you, you get all these hundreds of short stories together, right? They have to work too, you know. It, it's, it's, I think it's, I haven't, I haven't written a book from start to finish before, like a, what, with one story, because mine is like a hundred short stories, you know. But I think that the short stories made putting the book together much harder, because if the book ended with a sad story for a compilation of short stories, right, then the entire book feels like it was sad. Like a sad book. Yeah. You know, so you have to work on the flow, you know, like this is funny and then you kind of give the person a break before you bring the next funny thing up. It cannot always be funny because if it's always funny, then you set, it, it becomes monotonous, you know. So that is the part where a lot of the editing comes in and that's when I also drop a lot of the jokes that I thought was good. You know, just because it didn't fit. And that's heartbreaking, you know. Before I let you go, though, do you remember the first thing that you drew that you thought, oh, this is good? I I was always proud of everything I, I, I drew, you know, especially the ones where I, sh- I showed people because that's what happens when you're proud, right? I would 
I, I frankly cannot remember, but it probably is either Ultraman or Donald Duck. <laughs> you know, it's one of these guys. I, I, I am pretty sure about that. Because we start by copying. Yeah, we start by copying, you know. I, I love Gundam too, so wait, it could be one of these three, you know, Ultraman, Donald Duck or Gundam. A man after my own heart. Boy, thank you so much for coming and talking Thank you to so us. much for having me. That was Bowie, When I Was a Kid, Volume 4. His latest is available at all major bookstores and newsstands. You've been listening to Authored. This is Bookmark, BFM Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.